What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. My name is Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I host this show. I think you collect sports cards too. If you are new to this show, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. Thank you to everyone who has told a damn friend about this. This is the sports card podcast built and designed for the sports card collector. Many different flavors of the hobby. There's all the different types. There's the all the get rich quick stuff. You've got the investments. You've got the breaking. You've got the flipping. You've also got the end users. And that's the collector. And that is us, the people that are listening to the show. We would rather have the cards and the status with our cards and collection than the dollar bills. It's as simple as that. Give us the cards. We're getting our paychecks and we're spending it on sports cards because we love it, because there's passion. I want to thank all of the unofficial sponsors for coming in and you know building and designing products for the collector. And today's unofficial sponsor, I want to thank my good friends at Chipotle. Chipotle chicken al pastor bowl, white rice, black beans, romaine lettuce, little cheese, tomatillo red and chili salsa, little chips and queso on the side. You got to go large queso though. That cup they give you, you know, that it's like $5.29 or something like that. It's not enough. You need the whole vat of queso. I want to thank my good friends. This Thursday, my wife was out with friends. Needed a quick meal, hit up the delivery app, got the Chipotle on my doorstep. It was amazing. Always fills you up. You always feel good. So I want to thank you. If you are around a Chipotle this week, make sure you drop in. And when you walk in the front door and look at the cashier, say, hey, by the way, Stacking Slab sent me. Would appreciate that. want to. Say, I also, after I got done eating my Chipotle, I watched the Untold series of Johnny Manziel. And I feel like what gets lost in the, the, the conversation when these new uh, releases come out is people don't say Untold. Okay, so the Untold series is a phenomenal series um, on Netflix. They had the Malice in the Palace of the episode was Untold. You've got the Monte Teo was Untold. And so I just want to say, like, if you enjoyed the Manziel, go watch them all. They're all freaking good. I've seen them all. Uh, but I loved just hearing a little bit of uh, the craziness that was the rocket ship that Johnny Football was riding. Of course, have heard since that Manziel cards to the moon. You know, you put out a documentary and, of course, the prices of cards go up. So it's always fun to see everyone flipping around, pulling their Manziel cards out of their PC. Um, I, I, when I was watching the doc, what kind of stood out to me is just that season, right? Where A&M beat Alabama, that run he went on. Um, it was must-see football every time he played. So uh, it got me excited for college football that's ahead of us. As we're Recording this, we are we have already seen preseason football play. I saw my Colts play in Buffalo. Just nice to see the guys back out there. I would say from a 
an Anthony Richardson perspective, you can see the tools that this guy has. It's a, it's a, you know, working process. Looked good, made a couple mistakes, but you can see the flashes. So excited. And also, I will say this I don't take much stock in preseason outside of I just want to see the guys on the field work out some kinks. Also, hopefully, no one gets hurt. I've already seen, we've already got MVP conversations. We've already got Super Bowl speculation just based on one preseason game. That's what we do around here. I'm less than a month away from going back to Chicago. Not a card show this time. Going to All Out. I'm excited. You've got All In, the biggest show in a long time, in a, in certainly AEW history, but also just wrestling history. Big show out in London the week before I'll be in Chicago. Um, so you got All In, then All Out. And so I'm excited, obviously, to be a wrestling fan. I'm sitting there always watching Friday Night Uso theater going on, developments with the bloodline on SmackDown. I enjoy pro wrestling. I think it's the best it's been in a long time. If you're a pro wrestling fan, I hope you do too. There are two major topics that I want to talk about today, um, and I want to dig into those, and we're going to get into those. But those topics are, number one, the communication with other collectors. So a couple of things happened to me this past week, one specifically that I want to hone in on, but it got me thinking. I was thinking about uh, the situation, scenario, communication, and I just felt like, you know what, this might be a good topic to air out um, on the show. Might be something a lot of collectors think about, but might not necessarily talk about. And the other topic that I want to call out is one that I had have been mentioning. There's been a drumbeat of me mentioning this. And then I heard my good friends on the crossover, Chris and Josh from the Card Ladder team, um, recognizing my, my conversation on um, rookie or commodity quarterbacks and how that has moved from the prism basketball rookie to now these young unproven quarterbacks and what that means for the hobby. So I've been thinking a lot about that uh, thread because it's really in my face. It was in my face at the national. It's even more in my face now as we approach football season. So I want to hit on that a little further and just, I have taken a step back, taken some time to think about it, um, using some data to analyze why I think this is becoming more and more of a thing. Um, so we're going to get into those few other housekeeping items before we jump into the main topics. want to shout out my man, Paul Wardle. You can follow him at Wardle Combat on the Instagram machine. Um, whenever I see another collector facilitating phenomenal collector-driven content, I always try to give them some of my time and then also spotlight their account and their page because this was something that I stumbled upon this past week in the hobby that I think should be recognized and was a lot of fun. I think, you know, whenever anything bad happens in the hobby or when there's drama or anything's controversial, these mainstream outlets do whatever they can to run to their social media channel of choice and just start talking narrative and talking about it. And this spins up and then there's bickering back and forth. And all of a sudden we get to this point where um, this whole conversation about a topic that really doesn't matter has become such a significant topic and there's no resolution. And then it's like, I look at all this and I'm like, what the fuck did this accomplish? Did this do anything for anyone? Or did we just sit back and act like this was sports card high school for a minute and try to pump as much drama as we possibly can into the hemisphere? That's not why I'm here. Is that why you're here? I don't think so. 
We're here because we have only so many hours in the day and those hours in the day we want to dedicate to the collecting of sports cards in those relationships. And what Paul did this past week was put a couple of those things, relationships and cards on display and he hosted a Randy Moss showcase. And let me tell you what, this Randy Moss showcase was unbelievable. Sometimes you see these showcases and no matter what, I'm a supporter, I'm gonna watch it, I'm gonna try to do whatever I can to appreciate the cards. But this one, the curation and the facilitation of conversation, dialogue around Randy Moss and his cards was unreal. I literally sat there on the couch, I think it was Thursday night and saw some of the best Randy Moss cards in existence just by opening up my phone and hitting his Instagram live. So that is going to be on Wardle Combat's page. Go to Wardle Combat's page, follow him, and go watch that shit. It was awesome. I love sports cards. I love it when people hold their sports cards in reverence and are able to communicate stories about why they love these cards and why they love the player behind cards. So Whenever that's happening, I want to say go check this out. So everyone go run to Paul's page. Shout out my man Graham, uh, Wrestling Card Wizard. That was a fun conversation. We've had a lot of back and forth, and I felt like, you know what, it's a good time to have him on to talk about his passion and collecting. One thing from that conversation that really stood out to me was just this uh, dialogue of content in our space right now and how we're on content overload, and most of the content doesn't have substance, and the parallels of most of the content that we see hitting our feeds in trashy reality TV shows I think it's over-exaggerated, overproduced, and these, this content floods our feeds, but likely will never be stopped because people watch it. Everyone with a phone has the opportunity to be a creative, and we live in a creator economy, and I appreciate that. It is a better environment for me to live in as someone who considers themselves a creator. But, and also I want to say that Although I say some of this stuff reminds me of trash reality TV, people literally can do whatever the hell they want. That's really what's going on here. Anyone can do what they want. I think the problem is that there are people on the other side that might not know how to extract what's real and what's a gimmick. And so my problem with all of this reality-based content or trashy reality TV type content is that because it's targeted at people who are, might not be able to extract what's real and what's not, it causes a problem. And so the problem that I think it causes is it shines our hobby in a light that I don't believe is the best light that this hobby, that can represent this hobby. And of course, for me, I'm on Team Collector. I'm going to sit up here in the corner and promote the collector because collectors are the individuals who are making the hobby grow organically. A lot of times people think that growth is on the side of these people making these trashy reality TV reels about cards and money and this and that, and that couldn't be further from the truth. This is transactional. And transactional, quick win, quick flips, quick this, quick that, that doesn't grow the hobby. It gains eyeballs and interest for a second and then people lose interest when they realize what's being portrayed via the real or via the type of content isn't what's going to keep them here and have them stay for a long time. So everyone on the real wants to get rich. Everyone's telling people this is how you get rich. It's a greater fool theory. 
I sold the unproven rookie to someone else and now look at all the cash. No one ever discloses the, the profit, by the way. It's just, it's like, oh, here's all the cash. Look at all this money I made from selling this card. I, no one says what they bought the card for. There's many different flavors of the hobby, okay? But as a collector, I couldn't be more or less interested in a majority of the Jersey Shore sports content that we've got going on. So that's why I hope you tune in here because you want to hear people talk about collecting. We're going to bring more of those conversations to you all the time because this is your hobby content alternative. And it's weird that the alternative has to be collecting. Isn't that a problem? I think it is. But we're going to bring more collector conversations to you, whether they like it or not. And what we're doing today is a participant from World Combat Showcase. And it was amazing because I actually reached out to this person, didn't know that they were going to be on Paul's uh, showcase and then they were on Paul's showcase and I was like this is perfect it's a great drumbeat of content around co a collector who is got some insane stuff going on so I'm going to bring my man Mikey in the hobby artist formerly known as Mikey the Breaker um, he picked up as referenced on the recording in the archives with Pac Nicholson if you haven't already go check out that episode he picked up the 1998 Randy Moss Essential Credentials Future out of six at the National. So I want to talk a little bit about that acquisition. To me, that's one of the most significant modern football cards there are. Randy Moss, one of the best players ever, best receivers ever. A rookie card as prestigious as Essential Credentials Future. Only six copies. There's a lot to talk about in that story. So I want to take that and pull as much information as I can about that acquisition and the story he has around it because I feel like there's probably something in that that we're going to learn. I think so. I got some cards in the mail this week. I love cards. Some wrestling cards. Also another card that I posted. I got the 2023 Select uh, WWE Second Year Select Concourse Level Gold Roman Reigns out of 10 and the first off the line Mojo out of 7. Amazing shot on this card. The photography is phenomenal. It is one of those products where I look at it and it's like the concourse level to me and the photography. I don't care how people stack rank, which one's more valuable or whatever. That's the best card in this. It's not only the best card, in my opinion, in the product for Roman Reigns. It is one of his greatest cards from a aesthetics question or aesthetics perspective that I've ever seen. I don't think we need to follow these rules as rigid as we do when we're talking about levels, when we're talking about parallels, when we're talking about products. It's like if a card hits you so hard that it knocks you out of your chair and you love it, like just go get it. And so that's what I did. I find two parallels, two low number parallels. That's how much I love this card. I love collecting Roman Reigns. I'm going to say it here and I'm going to be emphatic by it. People have asked me, like, how do you compare Roman Reigns to, like, what modern player? And it's hard to draw, like, sports entertainer to modern athlete. But you can think about it from a market perspective. And a lot of people are like, you know, is Roman Reigns kind of like the modern LeBron James? And I think there's some parallels there. Is Roman Reigns like Patrick Mahomes? My perspective, because I'm all in on this guy, he's the GOAT. He is the GOAT. WrestleMania headlining, headlines. Most people, most money ever driven from a SummerSlam. Who's on top? Roman Reigns. He's the GOAT. Best, best run of all time, title run in the modern era, Roman Reigns. Bloodline, I'm acknowledging him as the GOAT. Okay, I'm going to say that. People will say Hogan, Austin, whatever. No thanks. All great. 
Uh, they appreciate all of what they've done in the business, but our goat is living legend and he's got one hand in the air and I'm going to acknowledge him. And that is Roman Reigns. And that's why I collect them. I love Roman Reigns. Okay, so then I bought Roman Reigns' potential opposition for the next WrestleMania, potentially again, because it's hard to see who's going to stop this streak outside of a guy like Cody Rhodes. I bought his Galactic out of 2023. And why I like this card, I felt like I needed to buy this card, was because it is his first Galactic. He was not in the 2022 set based on his debut and re-debut in the company. So this is a card I saw, smash bin on that, love it. I also posted, this was something I had in the case, but I posted it, the 2017 Prism Gold Luck PSA 10 Pop 1. And when I posted this card, I wanted to just share it on this podcast, but just like 27 Pristine, like so many people, or 27 uh, Prism, a lot of people uh, talk about Mahomes year, this and that. And it is, it is, it's a great year. And it has significance because people are creating these narratives on different things. But like, to me, it's, not my favorite year of Prism, but it's the most professional looking. I love, I called this out on my post, but I love the the borders. I love, the, it's just a sharp card. So it's the most professional looking uh, in my opinion. So I want to get into the bulk of the content here and we're going to hit the ground running. I think what I want to talk about is just communication to and from the collector to collector. And I've talked about this, but when you post your cards, you become a magnet for the cards that you really want. And there's a card that has popped up that I won't be mentioning here because I am having conversations about it. But it it popped up outside the scope of kind of mainstream selling platforms. I think when whenever someone posts something and doesn't put a price on it uh, and thinks it's for sale, I think we or and it's not might not be for sale. We need to walk a fine line as a collector because we want to keep the community a community. So. Uh, this card got posted, not for sale. This card didn't have a price tag on it. So it's that position we're in where it's like, okay, this card is out there. We want this card. Let me just make a connection. So I think there's a certain way that we should treat and communicate with people. It's always better to be personalized and ask questions. Um, and maybe that's in, that's like baked into me based on what I do professionally on a day-to-day basis. But like just walking through this, and I just wanted to share this because if there's a card that gets posted that you want but might not be available, I have found that doing this kind of works. And it might not work overnight because we all want things to happen and it's like very transactional, but it's not a transactional approach or strategy. So basically when you see a card available that you want and you don't know the person, it's, it's, I think it's always a good idea to be able to make that connection by reaching out to the person and complimenting them on the card. So whether it was a recent acquisition, card that they pulled in the pack, whatever it is, just say, this card is amazing, congratulations, and be genuine, like legitimately. We should be attracted to these cards and we should be genuine. You should tell these people how you feel about the card without saying like, I want to buy this card right now. You ask questions about the acquisition, Collectors want to talk about their cards. They want to talk about how they caught the caught, how they got the cards. I have built a show that is run. We'll be coming up on 400 episodes. I've built an entire show on this premise. <laughs> Let me reach out to person. Hey, your collection rules. Do you want to come on my show and talk about it? Of course they do. People want to talk about their collections. So I think 
asking questions. How does it make them feel? How does this card fit into your rest of your PC? What else you collect? You start to extract a ton of information about those cards and those collectors. I think you, it begin, you can begin to share information about you and what you collect too. Once you have listened and gathered information from the collector, I, you can tell them, I love this card that you have because I collect that player. And by the way, give them some social proof. Here are some of the cards that I have of this player. And building that rapport connection, this hobby is so vast. And you can literally break down barriers with one individual by showing some common ground and letting people know that you not only think cards that you each other have are cool, but you also collect these cards. I think recognition is really important. I understand telling people like, I understand that you're not selling the card right now, but would love to be kept in mind if you ever do is a powerful statement. And if you can get acknowledgement on that statement, then you should feel amazing. And you know why? Because people eventually sell their cards. We've all been through the process of selling cards that we never thought we'd sell because we're constantly in motion. We're constantly trying to find other cards. So if you get that acknowledgement, that is important. And if once you get that acknowledgement, you should constantly not be pushy, but just start building that relationship. I think gathering information Wherever you're connecting with them, this could be at a show, this could be online, but getting information on understanding what is the best way to, to, to communicate. It might be Facebook, it might be Instagram, it might be Twitter. Here's my number, here's texting. It, you, you'll find out a lot of different things. But I think continuing the relationship is important. It's a massive hobby. If someone thinks a card that you love is cool, not enough to sell, there's likelihood that you have something in common. Continue the conversation. When you're done Say nice to meet you and look forward to talking again. It's the basic shit that so many people in this hobby take for granted and don't do. It's a great way to help you stand out. So I want to close this by just thinking a lot about this commodity quarterback rookie thing going on. And I've been thinking a lot about this. And so when I think about this, I like getting feedback. Okay, so I think about like comedians, right? The biggest comedians in the world that have Netflix specials, they don't start and just say, hey, I'm going to go do the Netflix special. They go to small comedy clubs, they tell the jokes, they see which punchlines work, they see what doesn't, and they do that because they want to hear and they want to get feedback. So they refine it and then they take it to the main stage and then that's when you see the Netflix special. And sometimes when you do a podcast, it's really hard to understand from the audience because you're out there and I'm over here to see what resonates or what, what doesn't. A lot of times I get that via message, which I appreciate. Shout out to everyone who listens and shoots me a message. Um, But sometimes I hear it on other shows. And so I heard the Card Ladder team talking about my take on young, unproven quarterback uh, market and the recognition around that. And so I'm like, okay, I'm saying this. Other collectors with content who I appreciate are recognizing this. And it goes back to the greater, greater fool theory where everyone's trying to pass the buck. A little hot potato here, a little hot potato here. I think everyone is trying to profit off the unproven um, from influencer to manufacturer to auction house. And I believe me, I'm a, I love capitalism is cool. I want to make money. Everyone wants to make money. But there becomes a point where you need some people calling it like it is. It's like some people are scared 
to just say, look at all this shit that's happening on right now with the hot potato. And like, let's just say what it is. And I see it and I'm not the only one and I don't call out everything. And, I, and everyone can decide what they to do what they want to do. But from an analyst perspective, if I'm analyzing the hobby, I would say we are way over indexed on bad content. We are way over indexed on the hot potato of it all. And we are less focused which, where I think we should would be on the end user and the collector. And that's what we're doing around here on this Tagging Size podcast. We're telling those stories. That's why you're tuning in. But when this was happening on the prison basketball rookie side, base PSA slabs, this was happening. A lot of us were participating. I didn't care as much, but my spidey senses started to go up a little bit when it started to happen with football cards and probably because it's a lane I collect in. So I did a little bit of an exercise here and want to close out this uh, conversation by sharing some insights on this exercise. But what I, what, I, what I decided to do was look into some data. And I want to say this first about these young, unproven quarterbacks. When I say these players or mention a player, it's not like I don't want them to be successful and I don't want them to win. We are better off when there's more young quarterbacks who are really good. It makes watching football way more fun. What I will say that I'm not sure is that the narrative around what happens on the field translates into cards go up immediately. And I say this because what happens every year is everyone's spending the money before the season starts. And once they hit the field, all the prices go down. There's data to support that. Just go check out Card Ladder. But what I did was I looked at one player who is everywhere these days and hasn't done anything because he hasn't been on the field until he will be this year. And that's Sam Howell, just one example. So I looked, what I decided to do was go to PSA's pop report, go to 2022 Prism, and I wanted to see how many Sam Howell cards were graded by PSA in Prism alone. So I did this while I was watching my daughter. So I was like, had Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on. Shout out to all you parents who uh, have all the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse songs stuck in your head. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. There's a wink, wink and a point, point to you. But I was doing some rough counting. And there was, of all the parallels, graded just by PSA, 1,961 cards at the time of this recording. So almost 2,000 Howell Prism PSA cards alone. Then I went and looked back. How many products in 2022 did Panini release for football? Again, this might be a little off, give or take, but I counted 32. So let's just say out of those 32 products, we, we can probably all agree that the Prism has been the most graded Sam Howell product. I think that's fair to say. But I just said like, okay, if we went through all of those 32 products and let's just say 10% of what was graded in Prism were graded in those other 32 products. So let's say you have 32 products and instead of 1,961 cards being graded by PSA, you had 196. So let's take 196, a little Steiner math here, times two, you have 6,275 cards of all the other products outside of Prism. So let's add those two together, all the products outside of Prism of Howl cards, all the Prism cards, and we're going to give you an estimate of 
8,236 cards of Sam Howell graded in 2022. This could be higher, and it likely is, from PSA alone. So you have 8,200 Sam Howell cards graded by PSA alone. This doesn't take into consideration BGS graded cards. This doesn't take into consideration SGC cards. This doesn't take into consideration any other grading companies. This doesn't take into consideration raw cards. Now think about Desmond Ritter or Brock Purdy on top of that. Let's just say they have the exact same. We're talking about 24,000 cards in PSA slabs of just Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and Brock Purdy. Think about that. And the game is get these cards graded and get these cards moving, 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 moving. Get them out of my hands. Because we're down to the wire. The Lions and the Chiefs are going to be kicking off the season here coming up very, very soon. And once that season starts, that's when the pseudo game that is being played starts to take shape. Think about that. Think about all of those cards that are trying to get moved, 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 moved until the bottom drops out. Mac Jones has 56 cards on card ladder. They're down 68% from last year. The same thing was happening. All of these cards are going to go down and it is a race to the bottom. And so while everyone says, hey, many different flavors of the hobby, everyone can do what they want, which I support and agree with. My problem is that that game that's going on is what people think the sports card hobby is. And that's not what it is. It's the people who are listening to this show, who are building out collections that you love and make you feel something. Just something to think about. I really appreciate you coming on, listen to me talk about sports cards. Hope you feel the passion, the energy. We've got a fun episode coming up. We're going to be talking Randy Moss cards, Mikey in the hobby. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More stacking slabs coming at you real soon. 